0: following audio is a sunday sermon from red church in blackburn australia for more information about the church and its ministry please go to www.redchurch.org.au we are starting our advent series today we're kicking it off and if you're, uh, we've been doing this for years at Red here, we've been doing Advent, but if you've never done Advent before, if you're not familiar with it, essentially uh, the, uh, the word Advent means the, the coming of something or someone important or uh, the arrival of something. And, and that's why we use the word Advent um, to describe the coming of Jesus. So you'd use the word maybe like, you know, the advent of the internet or the advent of the wheel or whatever, whatever, whatever word you want to use. It's the arrival of come, coming of something Important. And we do Advent, as Britt said, and uh, Daniel said, to prepare ourselves. Uh, for Christmas and to remind us about what Christmas is about. So easy, it can come and go and just be another day on the calendar, uh, like it was when I was young and growing up. It was just, you know, Christmas is here, it's exciting, presents, yada, yada. Uh, but my mum, whom I love dearly and very uh, thankful for her, her input into my life, would always try and talk about Jesus on Christmas Day. You know, my father's not a, not a follower of Jesus, but uh, she would always like, so now let's remember, this is about Jesus, not about uh, eating crackling or or opening presents, but I didn't care, to be honest. It was like all about the presents, but my mum would always bring it back and remind us, and I don't want that to be the case here when we do Advent. Um, We want to encourage you to read these uh, readings with us, and to uh, pray with us, and join us on the mornings that Britt talked about, and maybe even we we contend before the service here for about half an hour. encourage you to come along and be a part of what we're doing here. This Advent is about the king, which is, our, uh, which is our series slide, that he is king, not just a king, not one of them, but he is the king. There is no other king, and this is what we want to really talk about uh, through this Advent series, but it's, it's, it's not just about the nativity story, or um, it is about that again, but it's, it's more than just uh, this king who comes as a kid in a stable in Bethlehem, in a manger, and, and there's animals and wise men, but this advent, this coming, is also about the king that said he's coming back again. You're following me? That Jesus talked about his life, death, and resurrection, but he also said that I'm coming back, that there is this advent of him returning. What so I want to say is, 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 it's more than just about preparing for Christmas. We, we don't want just to be another sermon series that we do in Advent that that ends when the Boxing Day sales start. You're following? That really, we do Advent to prepare our hearts for how we actually live as Christians. That this is this is something that goes well beyond December 25. And like I said, we do that by reading these scriptures together. Uh, I encourage you to read it with your housemates, read it with your partners. Uh, We've committed to, we're going to read it with our kids. This is my wife and kids down here. We're going to read it with them uh, every, every day. Get through them, tick them off in the front of the book. Uh, Read it with your friends. Again, read it with us Tuesday, Thursday mornings. Um, So encouraging you to do that. What we're going to do, open your booklet. If you've got one sitting there, open it to the first page and you can tick off that first box. Sunday the 2nd. Why? Because I'm about to read it for you. So let's do that. I'm going to unpack that for you. If you've got a Bible around you, uh, one of the uh, burgundy colored ones, we're going to be on page 790. So let's read that. I'll let you turn there in a second. Actually, I think I'm going to have it on the screen as well. I um, encourage you to have your Bibles with you because I'm going to keep coming back to this verse all through tonight. All right. So page, uh, I think I think it's at 790. Chapter 13, verse 11. And do this, understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber, because our salvation is nearer now than we first believed. The night is nearly over, the day is almost here. So let's put aside the deeds of the darkness and put on the armour of light. Let us behave decently. As in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. I'm going to pray. Father, this morning, as we've read this very first... Sorry, this evening. Ha, <laughs> ha, I caught myself. This evening, Father, as we... Uh, uh, as we have read the very first reading in Advent which is, can sound like a very cryptic reading Lord, I pray this evening that your Holy Spirit would come that the words that I am speaking are not my words but the words that you have given to me to share that your spirit Lord would come and open the eyes of of the hearts of the people here that when I speak and the things I say that they won't hear me or see me but they would hear you and the work that you are doing in this congregation that you are drawing people to you you're creating a remnant you are setting people free you are breaking chains you are calling people to be true believers and followers of you I'm going to ask this all in your name Amen At Christmas time, my kids are a little bit older now, but... Uh, my kids, we, we would often have a Christmas tree as normal but we'll have a couple of presents that people have given sitting under there and that, that, that Christmas Eve to Christmas morning, Beth and I would wrap some presents up and the kids are fast asleep that excitement and we'd put a hole under the tree we're not a big Santa family so they know that it's from us, some of the gifts are from the cat, it's just a thing we did and uh, we would just, we would bundle all these things under the tree ready for them and the, ki- the cat gets a lot of respect in my house just so you know um, and we'll bundle them and then these kids at the, at the break of dawn, when the light is coming up, they'll be awake. Why? Because they're excited about something. And they go out into the lounge room and they'll, they'll see this tree and all these presents will be there. While, while, everyone is still asleep in the house. And when they see these presents, what's the first thing that they do? What do, what do you think they'll do? They want to open them. So what they do, they come into my room and they'll come and they'll go, wake up, wake up. They'll say, it's time to wake up. Why? Because something exciting is happening. And as we read this passage, which is a bit of a strange passage to read, really, if I want to summarize what this passage says, Paul is saying a very similar thing to what my kids are saying. They're saying it's time to wake up because something exciting is coming. To help you understand this uh, this 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 passage, uh, a little bit of context to what's going on here. This passage is the end of of chapters twelve and thirteen in your Bibles. There, um, where Paul has written to the church in Rome, or he's, he's written to the church in Rome, which uh, which is why the book is called Romans. And this passage comes at the like I said, at the end of this section, and Paul gives this this whole thing, this uh, this magnificent explanation of what it is to be a follower of Jesus and and have uh, and understand the doctrines of the faith that they've, they've believed in because they're relatively new Christians. And he, he sort of builds on it as he comes towards the end of this, this these verses. He builds on it. He says, uh, he talks about the kind of life that Christian teaching must produce and that how they must present their bodies to Christ. And then he builds on it again and he talks about how they should live as individuals in, in Christ, but also how they should live as part of the, the church body in Christ. And then he continues to build on it and he talks about this incredible stuff about the law of God. And then he, he's, he's building building up to this thing, and he hits this peak, the climax of this, this whole section, and he talks about the words that Jesus spoke about, and he says to them this, he says that they are to love their neighbors as they love themselves, and I was reading this and studying I'm like, wow, this is so well written and so well structured, he's got some incredible stuff Paul talks about, there's so much in there that you think that he's covered everything there is to be covered when it comes to being a Christian. And it's quite brilliant. Like, and if you were in that Roman church, you would be sitting there, gathered around together, you'd be uh, reading it all together, you'd be, uh, you'd be reading it, you'd be meditating on it, these words, you'd be applying it, you'd be discussing it, you'd be uh, excited about it, you would be just doing everything to sort of absorb what this says. But there's one more section in these two chapters, and it's this bit in our Advent reading today, which, which is fascinating that this is our first reading. And like I said, which on its own can be quite peculiar, so if you can understand in that context. After telling all this incredible stuff, Paul adds one vital thing to what it is to be a disciple of Jesus. He's concerned about something. Not about their theology. Not about their morality. But he's worried that as Christians they're growing, what he would say is lukewarm. That in this verse, it says that you know salvation is nearer when you first believed that they're leaving their first love for Jesus, for other interests. And in fact, he said, it's kind of like he's saying that they're doing it without actually knowing that they're doing it. And the way Paul describes this is like a Christian, and he says it here, that the hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber he describes it like a christian who is just slowly drifting off to sleep and the context of these chapters paul is saying uh, what good are all our doctrines doctrines and theologies if we're asleep what good is it if we have become moral and righteous men and women if we're asleep what good is our church attendance if we're asleep what good is it if you care for the person on your left and right sitting here today if you're asleep? So much through the scriptures that we read remind us of this need to wake up, to, to be revived or to be warned of the dangers of, of not a physical sleep, that's what I'm talking about, I'm talking about a spiritual sleep. Some passages here in Proverbs 6, 9, uh, it says, How long will you lie there, you sluggard? It's not a word we use often, sluggard. It means someone who's lazy. I'm trying to bring it back. No one's accepting it. But then it says, When will you get up from your sleep? Isaiah 60 says, Arise, awake, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises in you. In Paul's letter to the Corinthian church, he says, Awake to righteousness. In his letter to the Ephesians, Awake you that sleeps. In Thessalonians, Let us not sleep as others are. John, in, his, in, the, in the book of Revelation, he says, So the letter of the church in Sardis says, The church has a name for being alive, but you're actually dead, so wake up. And then we have this verse here in Romans from our readings that says, Wake up from your slumber. So many references, especially from the apostle Paul. But then I ask the question is actually, who is Paul writing to? And we've got to get this clear because he's writing to Christians. He's not saying this to those who aren't Christians. He's not saying uh, it's time to wake up by, you know, wake up and then become a follower of Jesus. This is not an evangelistic message that he's saying. This is a follower of Jesus message. He's writing to the church in Rome. He's writing to the church in Corinth. He's writing to the church in Ephesus and Thessalonica to those who have followed Jesus. He's writing to us as the church. And the scripture that he is saying here is that it is possible That someone can be a true believer, from a a new Christian to uh, to a minister, called by God to preach the gospel, yet become a follower of Jesus who is asleep. Paul is saying this, it's time to wake up, because we don't know that we're asleep the very start of this verse, it says, and do this understanding the present time. We have to understand the point that we're in. Um, it's like what we, when we are living here, it's, it, there's a sense of urgency in Paul's voice when you read this because really we're around just for a, a fraction of a time and if you're fortunate enough to get to maybe 80 or 90 years old, you know, that, that may seem like a long time, but in the grand scheme of things, if, if, if this is the beginning of time and you've got the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit before that, that God creates the earth, you've come along, you've got Jesus, you've got us here, and then some here, time here, Jesus returns. We're like a hair width of our time here on earth. It's like a fraction in a moment. And Paul is here saying that there's an urgency about it. He's saying the night is nearly over. The day is almost here. And when he means the day, the day of the Lord, that's when he's returning. The advent of... Jesus, he says salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. There is a sense of urgency here. And Paul's asking the question, the same question I'm asking you, are we asleep? Maybe. I'm not trying to put this into two classes of Christians, uh, like one awake and one asleep. I'm not trying to say that there's some sort of single solitary thing that you can do to maybe upgrade yourself as a Christian to, make, to finally get over this hurdle, what I see in the New Testament as I read it over and over again is that there is something more challenging. That at certain times in the lives of all of us as followers of Jesus, from someone who's a week old believer to old preachers, that we are all in danger of falling spiritually asleep. And often, often we don't know it's happening. It's like, it's like when I used to, when my, I still put my kids to bed and I still give them a hug, but especially when they were younger, I used to uh, get in bed with them and sort of just, uh, you know, the, cuddling them. And what I would do, I would just sort of, you know, pray over them and uh, I'd put this lullaby music on just to sort of, you know, soothe the, the time and I'd stroke their hair and I'll be lying there and I'll just be holding my daughter. And I had a lot of things to do, but I just wanted to make sure I spent time with them. And with this music going, i will just be hugging them. And next thing I know, completely unaware as to what happened, I would have passed out for an hour. Just gone. The lullaby's gone, I'm happy, and off I've gone. One minute I was awake, the next thing I had slowly drifted off to sleep, unaware. That was just an hour that I fell asleep. But when I was 17, God had awoken me to who Jesus was and his ways. And I declared my love for him. And I was baptized when I was 17, a long time ago. I had been awoken from this slumber from my youth. And I recognized that Jesus had come. I recognized that he was coming again. And as Paul says, you know, he says, the night is nearly over and the day is almost here. And I was so excited about following this Jesus that I had discovered it. I realized that he had saved me. But it wasn't long after that, could have been maybe less than a year, that the lullabies of this world started to play. You know i you following what I'm saying? The lullabies of this world were starting to play. And I went into this deep spiritual sleep. And not just for an hour, I went to sleep for 16 years. Called myself a Christian, went to church, but I was spiritually passed out. Then about five years ago, I was... Awoken again from this sleep, which is, which is why I'm here now. Why did I fall asleep for so long? What were those lullabies in my world that, that were making me or making us fall asleep? And really, that's what I just want to share with you four things that can lull us to sleep, and maybe see if you can identify with any of them. The first one is, sometimes we fall asleep as Christians when circumstances are good rained a lot last night. Does anyone notice the big storm we had last night? It's like all of a sudden it was raining. In the past, when uh, in my house, uh, it was it was just when it would rain outside, it would rain inside my house. Right? That's how bad my gutters were. They were full of uh, they were full of roots and they were full of leaves. It got a high leaf area and where I live, and it was just like if it rained, I knew that it was going to rain inside of my house. It would rain in my lounge room. It would rain in uh, Georgia's bedroom. She loved that, No, she didn't. Um, it rained in my bathroom. It rained anywhere in my house, and I had to put towels away. So in the past, if it was raining at night, if there was something like a storm going on, I would be guaranteed that I would be awake. You know what I mean? I would be awake. Now, Evan, who sometimes comes to this evening service here, he's a plumber, he's a great guy, lovely guy, does a great rate, just so you know, as well. He came and he had cleaned my gutters, he had put new guttering in, he had, I don't know what he does, I let him do it, that's his job. But now when it rains, I don't, I don't have to worry, my house doesn't flood. And I tell you now, When the house, the guttering is good, when things are good, I pass out. I'm asleep when things are good. And we've all been in situations where we, we find it hard in our lives. Like, you know, financially, maybe we're struggling to pay our bills. Maybe there's an unemployment thing or an uncertainty about finding a job. Maybe there's an accident or maybe a series of illnesses that we've had to face. But in those difficult times, isn't that when we really cry out to God? Our troubles are forcing us to come before his throne and seek God more earnestly than ever. Even here at Red, in our leadership, there's, there are times when we have come under spiritual attack after spiritual attack. And we have kneeled and prayed continuously for God to do a move. Uh, Jeff Thomas is a Welsh theologian. He says this, Few men sleep in troubled times. But men can sleep on a sleep on a calm night, and when I'm talking about circumstances good, we, 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 when, you, when you are aware of that, then you really need to hear what Paul is saying here, right? And when I mean good, I'm, I'm talking about just living in Melbourne. I was I was crunching some numbers last night, and uh, and if you just take financial metrics uh, into into consideration, then in Australia, if you're earning. Twenty-six thousand dollars a year, which is well below the average. If you're earning twenty-six thousand dollars a year, you're in the top five percent in the world. That jumps up to the top one percent if you're earning fifty thousand, which is still less than the, the average. So if you're in the top five percent, then there are six point eight four billion people financially worse off than you. Disheartening thought. I'm going to put it out there that in Melbourne we've we've got good circumstances. I see it like this. Melbourne is like one, one big large king-sized pocket-spring mattress with that extra, you know that little topping that goes on top? You know, the pocket strings with that, that little memory foam topper that goes on top? It puts us to sleep just by nature of living in this city. You hear what I'm saying? Paul's saying the same thing. Saying it's time to wake up. We're asleep. The king is coming. The second thing that God has put in my heart to share about, about what loves us to sleep is that, actually, when we're doing spiritually well. It's an interesting one. The enemy is no less dangerous and no less busy when we're doing well. If you look at the parable that Jesus, I won't get you to turn there, in Matthew 13, verse 24, he says it like this. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. To sow good seed, it's like, you know, preparing the ground. You've got to till it. You've got to plow it. You've got to, you know, wet the soil appropriately, you know, and, and then you lay down the seed. And not just any seed. It's, it says here that it's laying down good seed. And it sounds like as you read it, it's like, like they've been working hard. They've been doing well. They've got this, this ground ready and they have planted their seeds. They're getting things done. And the parable goes like this while everyone was what? While everyone was what? While everyone was sleeping, his, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. You see, here at Red, we've been planting good seed. We're growing. The numbers in our services are, are up. Our our staff numbers have increased, which I'm thankful for. Uh, it's uh, giving has increased. We've got we've had a great band. These guys were fantastic. I love you guys. Uh, we've got a great building that we volu- that we uh, that we um, that we rent. We've got great volunteers. Uh, our office buildings are being re- reworked to be more efficient. Uh, we're creating new discipleship groups. Thank you, Daniel. Uh, people are being transformed. Chains have being broken, which is awesome. We've been working hard in leadership here for a long time. markets are well before any of us started, they've been working exceptionally hard. But according to this parable, this is the time when the worker slept. It's not during times of persecution that we sleep. It's when we're not being watchmen, listening and watching out for the, a hint of maybe a false gospel creeping into our lives or the enemy. Uh, spiritually speaking... We don't rest. You see, the Christians in Syria, they're not sleeping. The Christians in China, they're not sleeping. The Christians in Iran or North Korea, they're not sleeping. They're keeping watch for the enemy, both in the earthly realms as well as the spiritual realms. Paul is saying, let's follow this Jesus. Understand the present time that we live in, the urgency here in Australia. And he's saying this. saying it's time to wake up. How about this next one? We talk about this a lot here. When we're busy, or you might even say when we're distracted, is another way of putting it. There's a sort of irony here that, that we're so busy doing stuff that we look like we're awake because we're doing stuff, right? but actually we can be spiritually asleep. Like, I ask the question, how often do we actually make time for Sabbath? And I'm talking proper Sabbath, right? Like, uh, my Sabbath here is is good and it's not great. And i got to ask the question, like, if you go to Israel, there's a siren that sounds that says for 24 hours we're taking Sabbath. The lifts stop. Their culture is prepared to take rest and take time out, not in our culture. Our culture is going to cause us to look busy no matter what. I mean, if I ask the question, uh, if my Sabbath is on a Saturday, and if someone said, hey, I've got a wedding on, Am I going to say no? No, I'm not, I'm not going to say no. It's like, this may be, may be a good friend's wedding or something. It's, it's something that, that our culture is, is pushing us to say, actually, you know what? We don't have time for Sabbath. We're going to be busy. We're going to look busy. And that's going to lull us into a sleep. Running around, hurrying from one thing to the next, never slowing down. Like I said, this is the culture we live in. This is Melbourne. I'm not going to harp about this. We do talk about this a lot. Herbert on Wednesday at our final Red Apprentice Leaders session, uh, he reminded me of a quote that he that that he uh, that he read from Dallas Willard, and he says to be a follower of Jesus, one of the best things we can do, and you can write this down, is to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our lives. Ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our lives. I really love the way that the Message version. Uh, Talks about verse eleven from Romans here, but make sure that you don't get so absorbed and exhausted. Man, it's exhausted being busy, isn't it? Right? People ask you, "How hey, you been?" I'm busy. "How you been?" I'm busy. It's our standard response. Make sure you don't get so absorbed and exhausted in taking care of you all your day-to-day obligations that you lose track of time and doze off, oblivious to God. That's the third one. Sometimes we're just too busy. lulled to sleep. The fourth one. When we come to the end of our life, and I'm not talking the end-end, often when we come to the very end, maybe through illness or something, that we cry out to God. But I'm talking about retirement and stuff. I remember John Mark Homer came out uh, from, uh, from the States, and one of the things he, I remember clearly he said to me, goes, there's no such thing as retirement, as follow of Jesus. We don't retire from following from Jesus. That, Following Jesus is a lifelong practice, which is, which is very different to what our culture says. And I'm, like, I know you guys are relatively, for the most part, are younger. I'm not talking about senior citizens here. I'm talking about us now. And how does our culture tell that we should be heading towards and what we live for? Uh, like the living the dream is to in, in our culture is to work hard, get a job, maybe get married, climb the ladder to financial security, and then we retire. And then maybe you just get in a caravan and you drive around Australia. That's the, that's the script that we sort of, that sort of so he's thinking about it. Um, that's the script that we we're told. It's the script that we live, even from when we're in our you know, teens or in our 20s, that's what we're told, that by you know, subconsciously, and I'm using that word intentionally, subconsciously, working towards this cultural script that we, we put ourselves to sleep. But let's wake up from this sleep that we're in, that we don't even know we're in. Does anyone know what Red's mission statement is? Does it not the leadership? Anyone know what it is? To what? Ooh, one person got it. To what? Awaken. This has been our mission statement for years and years and years and years and years. It's nothing new. Awaken people to the city that we live in. We're called to speak into the city of Melbourne, into progressive cities like Melbourne as well. A city that looks awake, but really it's a city that is sleeping. It says to awaken, to break people out of their sleep. People and Awaken who? People to Christ and his message. Not the message of Melbourne. Maybe not the message of your parents. Maybe not the message that your, your friends have been telling you, but to Christ and his message. And the last bit, to equip them to live faith in real life. In real life. Not in a dream. Some dream life we have. Not in a trance-like state where we look awake, but really we're spiritually daydreaming. What does Paul say to that? He says, it's time for us to wake up. Something exciting is coming. So we live here in the slumberland, I'm going to call it, of Melbourne, blanketed by this net of individualism and postmodernism and all that stuff. How do we fight it? How do we actually wake up? Paul gives us this way. If you look at the end of on verse 14, it says this. And Actually, I'm just going to go to the verse just before it. It says this. It says, Let us behave decently as in the daytime. In the daytime, you're awake, right? This is what he's trying to say. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy, rather... Instead, do this instead of that other stuff. This is what he says. How do you do it? He says, clothe yourselves in who? The Lord Jesus Christ. Do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. See, when I awoke from my 16-year slumber about five years ago, there was this verse in the book of Galatians that was critical for me and my understanding of of what, what Jesus had really done for me. And the verse was very similar to this here. It says to, to be clothed in Christ. And what I really understood here and was really key to me was that it's like in my, all my life it was very much uh, uh, Christ has taken something from me so now I better start up behaving properly. But what I never realized was actually he'd given me something back. And this is what this verse says that he had clothed me. He'd given me his righteousness. He'd given me himself. And see, nothing is closer to me right now than what I'm wearing. When I hug my kids or my wife or anyone, I may be close to them, but still, the closest thing to me is what I'm wearing. And one of our, well, I really believe that one of our biggest dangers of understanding this, this, this idea of being clothed in Christ, that, 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 when, that when Jesus saved us, it wasn't just a static event, it wasn't just a one-off thing. That at some point in our lives, maybe we, we fell in love with Jesus and we, we prayed that prayer that we're supposed to pray. Uh, we got baptized, maybe, and you know we were saved and that's it. But salvation, what we realize, is it's an active process, an ongoing process. It's not a one-time event. You see, the Bible talks about it as being, you were saved, right? You are saved and actually being saved. This is what, in, in verse here, it says, salvation, uh, verse, verse 11, it says, salvation is nearer. It actually is moving. It's a a process that is happening, that we are continuously being saved. So that means one of the joys we, we get is not that sometime in the past we put on Christ, but the way to fight the slumber is that every day we get to put on Christ. That every day when we physically wake up in the morning, that we get to choose what we wear. Or rather, we get to choose who we wear. You know in the red carpet events, they ask you, you know, who are you wearing? That's the same question that Paul is saying that is getting is asking us that we need to ask ourselves every morning, who are we wearing? This call is to put on Christ every morning because we are being saved. Have him as close to you as the outfit that you're wearing here tonight. This idea of putting on Christ every day is, and Brit alluded to this was, it's what we hear called win the day and we talk about this a lot. That one of our most podcasted messages, I think I think it's the highest one, is Mark's message about winning the day, go back and listen to it. If you've never heard what it is, and to remind you if you've heard of it, winning the day is, is us getting up, getting up in the morning and putting on Christ. But in this society we live in with, with our phones and, and whatever thing that can distract us is the first thing we get up. We need to make a, make a way to actually make that possible. So some of the people here um, have taken their phones and put it in another room so that they're not using it as an alarm, but they actually get like a cheap $20 alarm clock, put that next to their bed. So when they wake up, the first thing they're not do is saying, all right, what is the world going to tell me? What, am I going to wear the world with what's on my phone? Or am I gonna put that aside? Am I gonna put on Christ in the morning? That's what we call win the day. And when we did that, uh, you hear stories like M. Beamers who always I love hearing a story about that she is just persistent and persisted with winning the day in the good times and the hard times. And I love that story. I love that you're doing that, and It really encourages me and excites me. And I heard so many people after that message get so excited about it and were just, you know, every day smashing it out and just putting on Christ. But what happened is over time, as I hear the stories of people, that things, those things have just dropped off. That the lullaby of the world draws them in and maybe they just wanted to have their sleep in. Maybe they, they're, they're, they're having late nights or, or whatever it is that lulls them into their sleep that they're no longer putting on Christ. And Paul's warning us, you know, this is, this is, this is going to happen to Christians. This is going to happen to those who are true believers of Christ. Maybe, maybe it's something else in this world that you have, that you probably already know that is putting you to sleep. So Paul's advice to the slumberer, as it says here in Romans, is that we're to put on Christ every day, clothe him, bring him close to us. And I really like, again, the message version of verse 14. It's very simple. It's very eloquent, nothing fancy, just a simple message that we need to hear to combat us dozing off, and it's this. It simply says this get out of bed. Get dressed. Don't loiter and linger. Waiting until the very last minute. Dress yourself in Christ. And be up and be about. My invitation this evening, which is really Paul's invitation which really, if you think about it, it's actually Jesus' Jesus's invitation, is that in this Advent season, this lead up to Christmas, this lead up to the return of Jesus, that it's going to be a busy time for most of us. I know my calendar's full. Time is going to fly by, and Christmas Day will be upon us. We ask, as a team, we're going to ask you to join us as we read these scriptures together every day, that you contend with us by winning the day. Maybe what we're terming, we're terming win the day together on Tuesday and Thursday morning down at our Orchard Grove property. Maybe you can come here and contend before the service, but we're inviting you not to just let this, this pass you by asleep, but we want you to awaken to this message of Jesus Christ this Advent season. You see, the enemy... He's tucking us in. The enemy is singing us a lullaby. He's just gently stroking our hair, which is a scary thought. But the invitation is that it's time for us to wake up from our sleep. The verse says that the dawn is about to break, the sun is rising. Let's be awake and alert to what God is doing. I'm going to finish with one last story. I was preparing this message and often talking to my wife about it and getting some ideas and thoughts from her. And she was looking, she was looking over the notes and she looked at me and she said to me, she said to me this. She said, Bjorn, are we asleep? I just looked at her. I had to think about it. I really had to sit and think about it. After a, bit, after a minute, I said, you know, living in Melbourne, I said it's very possible that we are asleep. We just don't even know it. You see, when those who were closest to Jesus were asked to stay awake at his time in need, what do they do? They fell asleep. Jesus in the garden, sweating blood at the thought of his impending crucifixion asked his disciples to keep watch. And when he returns to them, they're fast asleep, and he says to Peter, couldn't you keep watch for me for just one hour? I said to Beth, I said, if those who walked with Jesus, those who were the closest to them, those who knew him intimately, if they struggled to stay watch and stay awake, how important it must be for us to get even closer to Jesus, putting him on every day question my wife asked me is the same question I'm going to ask you all tonight. Are we asleep? The lullabies of this world just slowly putting us to sleep. But Paul says there's something exciting coming. He says it's time to wake up. Put on Christ. It's time for us all to wake up. I'm going to pray. Father, this evening I want to say Thank you for your words. Not my words, but the words that you have spoken through Paul, the apostle. That you have given us this beautiful outline of what it is to be followers of you. But you have given us the warning that in this world that is broken and has an enemy singing to us and, and just, just stroking our head that, that we are in danger of falling asleep and we don't even know it. We're just drifting off and passing out. Lord, I pray for this church that we are not some dormitory, a place where we just come and sleep, but that we are a field where people come and play and are active and awake and alive. And I pray for us all here tonight, Lord. I pray for me and I pray for my family and I pray for us as a, as a, as a church-wide family who are brothers and sisters in Christ, that we will not be put to sleep, but we know that you are coming back and that we would hear your words When you say it's time to wake up.